So, uh, if you have noticed, we are continuing our series on the tabernacle. Um, <clears throat> if you notice that it's the verse that is our text is not really from the Old Testament, but actually the New Testament, and there is a reason why. But as we have, as Pastor Frank started this message series like four or five weeks ago, there's a lot that you can preach on about the tabernacle. Um, there is so much in there, and as we constantly remind ourselves of the instrument, the items in there, the altar, the brazen basin, the candlestick, the mercy seat, the veil, um, there's a lot that we could go on and on about. Um, we could spend from now until Christmas about teaching and preaching about the tabernacle. You guys would be done about mid-October. You're going, oh, Again? We just did that. Um, but there is a possibility. We could talk on the Holy of Holies, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, the Mercy Seat, the veil that separates the Holy of Holies and the Holy Place, the symbolic nature of that. We t- could talk about the Holy Place where all the priest does his um, duties. We could talk about the high priest, the outer veil, the, ar- or the archer of incense, the Bronze tools that God told them to make to tend the bronze altar, uh, the courtyard, the fence around the tabernacle, the cloud that was over the tabernacle, and on and on. So there's a lot of possibilities. So <clears throat> I am going to say that we're going to work off of the high priest. I really feel that when we look at the high priest, his role in the tabernacle, and then a, and advance it to Christ, we see the common, the, the final product of what God has done in bringing the tabernacle. So that's kind of what we're going to work on. And we will start with a, the Old Testament passage that comes out of Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 44-45. The, and, the, and they were called to serve. So in the passage it says, So I will concentrate concentrate the temple of the meeting and the altar and will concentrate Aaron and his sons to be to serve as priests and then I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God. We see that Aaron has been elected and designated as the priest. Um, I wonder how he felt about that when Moses came up and told him says Aaron I got a message from God guess what you're it. You're the one that's going to be going in there and attending to all the needs. It's an awesome responsibility. I, I don't know what he felt like, but I know I would be a little concerned. Going, Are you sure you talked to God right? Did you listen to him? Are you sure it was my name and not somebody else's? But it was also a lifetime call. Uh, Exodus 40, verse 15 says, Anoint them just as I anointed their father, Aaron, so that they may serve me as priests, and the anointing will be to a priesthood that will continue throughout their generation. They were designated to be priests their whole entire life. One of the unique things about a priest, especially the high priest, is he had certain things to wear. Um, And those that have gone through the tabernacle last night or even during Sunday school, some of this was explained, but... There was a very elaborate. Um, God told them exactly what to do and how to do it for a reason. 
They weren't, they weren't to take any shortcuts. They weren't going to substitute something they think better than what God has told them to do. Um, chapter 39 of Exodus, verses 1 through 30. I'm not going to read the whole thing, it, but it does talk about some of the items that the priestly clothing was. Um, it talks about how special the blue, purple, scarlet yarn was, how finely twisted yarn linen, how gold was interweaved in it. And it was a reason for that. It had to be the very best. It talks about the breastplate, uh, the jewels on the breastplate, what they represented, and why it was important. Um, the garments that the priest wore. And so as we look at some of that, you'll see one of the interesting things that I like about this is on the very hem of one of the garments is um, Blue and gold, the gold bells with the blue pomegranate on it on the very bottom. So you could hear him move. Anytime he moved, you could hear the bells. Now, I can't find it in the scriptures. I don't know if it's true or not, but I can't find where they said he had a rope tied to his ankle. And so if he died, they could pull him out of the Holy of Holies. I don't know. Um, that's a story that I can't verify, but... It would make sense because we know that two of Aaron's sons died in, in their duties because they came into the holy place and incorrectly did what they did. And, they, and God said, I don't, I don't want that. I, I told you not to do that. And so he killed them. And Moses went to Aaron and says, okay, Aaron, I told you, follow the rules. But your sons didn't. And now we need to haul the bodies outside of the um, tent and bury them away because they failed to honor God properly. So there was a lot of consequences in that. But chapter 39 of Exodus goes through a lot of that. And it talks about how they did everything that they were supposed to. And in verse 31 it says, and they fashioned a blue cord and attached it to the turban as the Lord commanded Moses. That last statement tells them they did everything they were supposed to do. And that's what we have there now. Uh, a very richly robed high priest. Now, some of the duties that they, the priests were involved in, which is interesting, one of the things that they were forbidden to do was to touch a dead person. If they did, they were ceremonially unclean. Um, so they were told never to touch a dead person. Uh, Leviticus 21.5 says, Priests must not shave their head or shave off the edges of their beards or cut their bodies. They're not to marry women defied by prostitution or divorce from their husbands. They were not to let their hair become unkempt and nor tear their clothing in mourning. They were not to show outward signs of mourning. He, if an individual had a defect, a physical defect, he was excluded from being a priest. For Leviticus 21, 21 says... He has a dead effect. He must not come near or offer food to God. Um, they were told not to desecrate the offerings that the Israelites come to give them. Treat them with respect and honor them. Um, they were always to be remain ritually pure and clean and ready for service. Some of the everyday duties that the priest would have would be going into the holy place and tendering the fire, the altar of incense, uh, replenishing the bread on the, bread, the table of showbread. 
So they had things to do. They had to keep things clean and orderly and continue maintaining it because it's a 24-7, 365-day job. There was no vacation. Everybody had to be there, and you had to maintain it throughout the 24-hour time period. You could not leave it unattended. So it was a requirement that they keep it clean. And Now, the God said, you know, I, you guys need some help in doing this. So in Numbers 3, verse 3, God says, Bring the tribe of Levite and present them to Aaron, the priest, to assist him. So that's the tribe of Levi that will be a part of that process. In verse 33, it says, The chief leader of the Levites was the son of Aaron, the priest. He was anointed over those who were responsible for the care of the sanctuary. Their responsibility was taking care of the sanctuary. So that meant everything from attending the fires and the incense to cleaning, making sure no wild animals got in there, making sure it was presentable for God. Um, one of the biggest events for the king, or the uh, high priest, was the Day of Atonement. In fact, on third Wednesday of this week is the Jewish Day of, of Atonement, Yom Kippur. This was the most imp- singly important day for the high priest. This was the day he got to go into the Holy of Holies. The only time in a year that he could do that. I would be a tad bit nervous if I, it was the only day that you're allowed in to present yourselves and give a sin sacrifice for your sin as a high priest, but also the sins of Israel. And you know the consequences if you don't do that. There was proof. It would be a little nerving for me. But it was... God said, there's a specific day I want you to do that. So in Leviticus 16, 29-30, says, And this is the lasting ordinance for you. On the tenth day of the seventh month, you must deny yourself and do no work, whether native-born or foreign residing among you, because on that day, atonements will be made for you to cleanse you. Then and before the Lord, you will be clean from all your sins." It was important. The duty for that high priest was very important when he does that. Um, Leviticus 16, verse 2 says, The Lord said to Moses, Take your brother Aaron, that he is not to come, whether he chooses into the most holy place behind the curtain in front of the atonement cover of the ark, or else he will die. He was told that there was a Pacific time and only that Pacific time. Nobody else could enter beyond that veil. If you did, you died. And so Moses got that word from, and he went and told Aaron, look, you're not to come in there whenever you choose. God said this day and this day only, and don't do it because you know what will happen. Verse 16, or chapter 16, verse 34 of Leviticus says, this is to be a lasting ordinance for you. Atonement is to be made once a year for all the sins of Israel. Once a year, your sins are forgiven. The the next 364 days, you live under the penalty of sin. For that one day, you're cleansed. We realize that the priest had, the high priest, as he went into the sacrifice on that day of atonement, there was sacrifice of animals. In Leviticus 23, 7, it says, On the tenth day of the seventh month, hold a sacred assembly. You must deny yourselves and do no work. 
present as a aroma pleasing to the Lord a burnt offering of one young bull, one ram, seven male lambs a year old, all without defect. With a bull, offer a grain offering of three-tenths of a of the fine flour mix with oil, and the ram two-tenths, and with each of the seven lambs at one-tenth, including one male goat as a sin offering, in addition to the sin offering for the atonement and the regular burning offerings with grain offering and drink offerings. It was amazing. And in fact, on that day, a at least 22 animals were sacrificed to fulfill God's requirement for sin sacrifice. But what's interesting is that that day was to take care of the sin. When the temple destruction in 70 AD in Jerusalem and they destroyed the temple, this day of atonement still gives Israel a date to remember, a date to uh, for atonement, but there's no longer a temple to offer sacrifice in. There is no longer a high priest to do that. For we now know the high priest is Jesus. Think about that. There is no longer how they can fulfill that day of atonement, like Jesus, or like God said in the Old Testament. It's a new covenant. He says, "I have a high priest now who has made the sacrifice once and for all, and no longer." Will there need to be any more? No longer is there a need for the for a higher sin offering of animals or their blood, because Christ has fulfilled that forever now. There's no need for the temple made with a man's hand, because Christ has gone to the heavenly temple and fulfilled everything that for the forgiveness of sin once and for all. The high priest, the highest sacrifice of all for the people. He gave it year after year. There were other daily offerings done daily, day after day. Thousands of offerings and sacrifice were processed, never ending. Year after year after year, day atonement came. They came and sacrificed for the blood offering. Never completed because the high priest was not perfect. The sacrifice was not perfect. But in Christ, it is. It fulfilled everything. And so that's why when we look at some of the symbols of the high priest garments, we see some correlation to what it stands for, for grace and for mercy, uh, for, for us. But when we look at Christ, we come to the text for the day. For this reason, he had to be made a little, he had to make like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful, faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Instead of entering the Holy of Holies, the high priest, once a year, Jesus entered for all, forever, once and for all. No longer is there a need for another sacrifice. The word atonement in the Old Testament is pretty easy, but as we translate it into, into Greek in the New Testament, it really refers back to reconciliation, to reconcile. And the definition of reconcile is a established friendly relationships between parties who are at variance with each other. Since God is at uh, odds with sinful man, 
It was Christ who was able to reconcile us to God forever and ever, once and for all. Romans chapter 5, verse 10 through 11 says, For it, while we were God's enemy, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is it so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Christ has become the high priest. Hebrews 4.16 is one of my favorite ones. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who is ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. What a passage. When you stop, every time you think of, Lord, this is too hard to carry. I can't do this. You have no understanding of what I feel like. You've never been here, Lord. You don't know who this person, you don't know this. Well, he does. He knows everything. He knows the weakness that we struggle with. He lived a human life and experienced that. He became the perfect sacrifice, the perfect high priest for us. And what does that mean for us? It allows us to boldly go into his presence, boldly to open that veil and walk to him. Remember when Moses uh, was on the mountain and God said, okay, you can't see me. So I'm going to hide you in this cleft and I'm going to put my hand over you, protect you, because if you do, you die. Okay? I care too much for you. So I'm going to protect you. And so he, uh, God walked by and God, uh, Moses saw the back of God. And he radiates such intense beauty that when he went back down to the Israelites, they said, put a sack over your head. You're too bright. Um, he reflected God's glory in that moment. Think of that. We are in the presence of God, the perfect, holy, righteous God, creator of all that is seen and unseen. And he wants us there. We're not there hiding away. He says, come on up to the front row. It's like us uh, asking everybody, hey, come on up to the front row close to me, okay? There won't be any back seats now. Everybody up to the front. God says, you're now coming to the front of the line. You're in my presence, and you can move aside those angels because I want you here before the throne of grace and mercy because I want you here. When we stop and think about his duty as the high priest, Christ said this, uh, or this was said about Christ in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 1 through 4. Every high priest is selected among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God to offer gifts and sacrifice for sin. He's able to gently deal gently with those who are ignorant and those who have gone astray since himself is subject to weakness. This is why he had to offer sacrifice for his own sin as well as the sin of his people. And no one takes the honor on himself, but he receives it when he's called by God as Aaron was. That's what the high priest did. He did it for the people. Christ did it for us we see that there was a requirement uh, for high priests. As I mentioned before, 
they were to stay clean. They were responsible to be clean. Um, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26, 27 says, Such a high priest truly meets our needs. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above heaven, unlike other high priests. He does not need to offer sacrifice day after day, first for his own sin and then for the sins of his people. Christ fulfilled everything once and for all. He offered up his blood as the sacrifice. Because before there were sacrifices of animals, sprinkled blood on the tabernacle elements. But for Christ, his priestly clothes were the crown of thorns, the nail-scarred hands and feet, a bruised and bloody body on the cross. He sprinkled his blood on the ark, the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies, for the forgiveness of our sins. And when we stop to think on that, he's the everlasting high priest. He is ever-living. He is still in that role of the high priest. So, we get to the question, okay, why? Why was that needed? What importance is that? So what now? And it goes through this passage here. Ephesians, that Paul wrote this to the church, uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner body, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you will be rooted and established in love and may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of God and to know that his love surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all for the forgiveness of, for the fullness of God. The fullness of God. We get to experience the fullness of God. The God who created all that is seen, the heavens and the earth, the moon and the sun, every creature on the earth, every creature that flies in the um, hair, every creature in the ocean. He created everything. We get to see the fullness of that God because we can boldly go into his presence. And when we come into his presence, he knows us. He calls us by name. He wants us there. He wants us in his presence. And the only reason that we can do that is because Christ has paid the ultimate price. He became the sin offering that forgives our sin. So we are cleansed, righteous, holy, before a righteous, holy God. John MacArthur, in his book on Romans, um, I ran across this little saying, and it was appropriate to say, it's more than just a mean of salvation. It's personal. It's more than just life, this life. It's fulfillment. It's more than a growing relationship through study and obedience to him. It's drawing near to God. To be in his presence. The full experience of entering in his presence of the heavenly holy of holies and fellowshipping with him. We're bypassing everybody out in the courtyard who can't come in. We're coming right into the holy of holies and we fellowship with him. That's his desire for us is to come into his presence to fellowship with him. 
And every day we have an opportunity to do that. Every day we have another possibility to do that. Every day, every moment, we have another possibility to come and say, Lord, it's me. You know, the long-haired, bearded guy that causes trouble every time. <laughs> yeah. <you're... laughs> okay, that... Was that... Okay. I'm not moving. <laughs> okay. Uh, oops, as we say in the uh, back. Um, okay. Lord, is that a message you want to tell me to wrap up? <laughs> yeah, okay, you're done. <laughs> okay. Uh, but to everyone to realize the opportunity that we have as believers in Christ, when we ask Christ to forgive our sins, he does completely. No longer do we have to come back and say, Lord, okay, forgive me again. Uh, Cleanse me because I'm a wretched sinner. We know we're a wretched sinner. We still live in this old nature, but Christ for once and all cleanses us. Now, we still do things that he reminds us, you know, that wasn't really smart. And out of a sense of, of our uh, duty and a sense of hurt, we come and say, you're right, Lord, forgive me. I want to be more like you. I want to be mentor more like you. I want to walk more like you. And I struggle because you know the weaknesses that we have. And he goes, I know. I've lived that life and I know the weaknesses, but I will give you strength to overcome those. I will give you hope to walk that faith, that your faith will grow stronger every day. And that you will get the full measure of God. Amen for that. Everything's been done. There's nothing more to be, be done. The tabernacle that we have representative is just a mere copy of what the tabernacle in heaven is. Where all that has been done. Now, we, are, we that are believers in Christ cannot keep this message to ourselves. We need to share it to others. We need to tell them that their sins can be forgiven, and the only one that can do it is Christ. Those opportunities you have to share the message of hope, take them. For those moments you can share, there is someone who does know what you're going through and does care that you're struggling. Take it to him. Draw near to him. As we said before, as you draw near to him, you see him in all of his glory. And don't stand at the back of the hall going, I can't come. He says you can because he promised that if you accept him, your sins are forgiven and you can boldly come to the front of the line and say, Lord, here I am. Don't forget that through the week when you're tempted and when you realize you have made a mistake and you have failed what you want, did not want to do and you do what you're not supposed to do. And he says, you're forgiven. Come back into my presence. Don't ever walk away saying I'm too far gone that God can't save me. Christ gave his life for you. He gave everything because you are worth it. You are wanted in the presence of God. Take those opportunities to do that. All this was done so that we may have an intimate, close fellowship with God. Just like God had with Adam and Eve when he created our garden and Eve. They walked with him in the cool of the garden. They fellowship with him. They knew him intimately until sin entered the passage. 
but that has been now broken. We get to enjoy that. We are to draw nearer, a great song, we are to draw nearer and nearer to God because he wants us and he loves us. So let's pray. Father, I still stand amazed of your great love, the depth and the width and the breadth of your love. I'm still experiencing elements of that. I constantly be reminded that I stand before a holy, righteous God. And I know part of me saying I'm not worthy, but you have told me I am because your son has given his life. Your son Jesus has given all that cleanses me. And now he tells me that I can come into your presence. And Father, I come in with all the concerns and worries and all the things that make who I am. And I'll leave them at your throne, leave them at your feet. Because my desire is to be in close, intimate relationship with you. In those moments, Father, when I feel like I'm not, I know you'll talk to me. I know you will remind me that you're there. You help me recall a passage of Scripture. I praise you for your spirit who constantly reminds me of that, that I'm never far from you. Your promises that we have experienced are true, faithful promises that you would never leave us nor forsake us. You would never leave us. We will be with you. We'll be with you forever. So I praise you, Father. I thank you, Father, for this study that we've had on the tabernacle. Though the knowledge is overwhelming and the, and the possibility of deeper study is there, the final fact is that it's completed because of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And may I walk with him closer today than I did yesterday. May I be closer to you. For I ask this only through Christ our Lord. Amen. Mark's going to lead us on a song. So let's stand, please.